0: Greatness is the orphan of urgency line. Greatness only emerges when we need it most in times of of war or calamity. Now, I can't ask somebody to be a, a Kennedy or a Lincoln. They were men created by their times. What I what I can ask for is the is the promise of greatness.
1: This is Ed Hoffman, and welcome to the main event. I open up with that scene from uh, the movie *The Contender*. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch it. This is a great movie. I've watched it about four hundred times. Um, and there you have the uh, the Speaker of the House or the head of the Senate committee that that approves uh, that uh, confirms vice presidents, and uh, talking with uh, Senator uh, Lane Hansen. Uh, who is being nominated as a replacement for the vice president who uh, who passed away. Uh, Jeff Bridges is the president. And he's talking about the promise of greatness and talking about how Kennedy and Lincoln were men created by their times. You know, uh, you get into office. You know, I think about George W. Bush. Um, you know, he he didn't think he was running to be a wartime president, and it was thrust upon him. And we saw him rise to the occasion and, you know, Hey, you're, these are men created by their times. And that's, uh, be, uh, basically Lincoln and Kennedy. And, and you get into, uh, uh, situations where the president has to, has to rise to the, to the occasion. And we look for, and he said, we want to have, see the promise of greatness. And of course, we see what's going on in the world right now. And Biden has failed the test. He's not, he's not, he has no promise of greatness. He never has had any promise of greatness. And of course, in times when we need a great president, when uh, World War three is upon us in Ukraine, World War three is upon us in Israel now. And, uh, and of course, uh, I think, uh, Israel's getting it from both sides now. And, uh, and, this thing is going to uh, escalate into something that nobody ever imagined. And of course, Biden say, "Hey, we're right behind you. We got every, we got right behind everybody in Ukraine. We're right behind everybody in in Israel. And of course, uh, you know the the governments of the other countries in the world are watching. They're watching. And I'll talk about this when uh, when I play a clip of Biden talking. The world is watching. And what do they see? They see weakness." they see weakness and this is their opportunity because the big uh, the big uh, policeman the of the world United States is weak now and we see them the terrorism going on and we have our southern border wide open and we have no idea who's in our country and we're just and and those of us with our eyes open are just waiting for the next 9/11 and I'm not talking about the next world war I'm talking about the next 9/11 where we get where we get attacked from within because we've got terrorists in our country. It's ugly. It's ugly. We'll talk about that. That song was Tom Petty. I won't back down. Um, if any of you, uh, were have, uh, been noticing in the news, apparently, uh, Laura Trump, uh, Eric Trump's wife, uh, did a cover of that song. And apparently there was some, uh, there was some issues with, uh, they were advertising it in Times Square, and City of New York refused to put her name on it. So they put a picture of a of her cover art, her sitting on a horse, and uh, they wouldn't put Laura Trump on it. And so they just put the picture up with no writing, so nobody knew what it was for. Um, I thought about using Laura Trump's version, but then I I listened to uh, uh, apparently she was appearing on some uh, some TV show, and they asked her to sing a cappella. Which she shouldn't have because you know it's just obviously in the studio you can make your your voice sound like just about anything you want, and uh, so I use Tom Petty and I and I talk about it with uh, with as a hey I won't back down I'm sure she covered that song because of her father in law Donald Trump is won't back down and Lord knows don't we wish he he was in the White House now. But anyway, I'm gonna talk about everything that's going on this, this, uh, week and, uh, in, and a couple of things that have gone on in the last couple of weeks we haven't had a chance to, to cover. But be first, before I do, let me introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate and you need financing and you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to uh, get some information on real estate or financing and, and uh, or, you know, how to rearrange your finances, uh, you want to talk. Uh, you want to talk to me, but you don't want to talk on the phone just yet because then I'm going to hear your voice. Um, then go to edhoffman.net, click on the United American Mortgage logo, and uh, that'll take you to my lending page. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back, and you'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates. We'll help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Um, if there's any part of the show that you want repeated, or you missed part of it, or you miss it any week. Uh, stay on edhoffman.net. Click on the podcast page. You can hear uh, this show as well as several past shows and listen to it on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where uh, you can actually subscribe for free. And once a week as I, uh, I record on Friday mornings, it'll upload sometime Friday afternoon and it will uh, download to your device shortly thereafter. You can listen to it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. If you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. And uh, with that, let's get into what's going on this week. So uh, Israel's under attack. Militants from the Palestinian terror group Hamas have infiltrated Israel in an unprovoked attack, firing more than 3,500 rockets at residential areas from the Gaza Strip on the holiday of Simchat Torah, which is uh, the Jewish people's uh, celebration of the Torah. Uh, you know, the Jewish people have, uh, 150 different, uh, different little celebrations. And, uh, you know, they, they love to party. So, um, this was one of that, that was the Simchat Torah. At least 2,500 Israeli c- civilians and 27 Americans were killed in a terrorist attack last Saturday night. At least 1,800 more were wounded. And of course, uh, when you hear, uh, when you remember, uh, what Trump said to the Iranian people, if, if the uh, uh, if the terrorists killed one American, they were going to pay. Their whole country was going to pay. In uh, uh, I don't remember the exact words, but he basically said the whole country will feel it. And of course, uh, twenty seven Americans dead. And uh, Biden is nowhere to be found. He makes some little some little attempt to sound tough, and we haven't heard from him. We hear from uh, the Secretary of State. Um, and we and that's about all, all we get. We are leaderless. We have no leadership in the White House and everybody in this country knows it. Even the Democrats. Hamas has also taken at least 130 Israeli hostages. That number could continue could continue to spike. Our State Department has not ruled out. There could be Americans among the amongst the hostages as well. We don't know. I'm sure there are. And if if the american uh, if the American government knew about it, they wouldn't tell us anyway. In retaliatory t- strikes on Gaza, Israel then killed around five hundred Palestinians. After the airstrikes, Hamas retaliated back by firing rockets towards Jerusalem. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu said the Israel is at war, made his formal declaration, and called for a massive military response. By Monday, of this week, the Israeli military had called up an unprecedented 300,000 reservist troops. So basically, uh, you always serve. Everybody serves in the uh, in the Israeli military, and you're a reservist until you turn 40. He called back all males under the age of 40. So this is a a serious a serious war going on, and I have no doubt that Israel will take care take care of business. Unlike uh, anything we've seen, Netanyahu, in a meeting with mayors throughout Israel, said the nation's response would change the Middle East. Now let's talk about how this kind of thing happens. According to Israeli Defense Minister Yoav Gallant, the terror group Hamas gets the vast majority of its funding from Iran. Hard to believe. He says Iran sends $100 million a year to Hamas. 700 million dollars a year to hezbollah and tens of millions to islamic jihad hamas also uses iranian technology and logistical support to produce its arms remember the six billion dollar prisoner swap deal that biden administration made with iran last month and you know i think uh, a couple of the of the prisoners didn't even want to leave the country they just wanted to be out of uh, out of uh, custody and of course they didn't even want to come home to the united states uh, the one where the State Department gave Iran a waiver so they could use their unfrozen assets for humanitarian purposes, you know, which means food and medicine. And, of course, I added in nuclear weapons. And now it seems it may also mean freeing up Iran's money so there's room in the budget to support terror attacks on Israel. So Democrat idiots, including my sister, uh, defend defend Biden by saying, hey, it has nothing to do with that $6 billion. Because that $6 billion is still in a bank and cutter. And it hasn't been touched. Nothing's been moved. And I have to, and I have to point out to people, you know what? If you have X amount of dollars in your right pocket that you use for uh, food and medicine to feed your people and take care of your people, and all of a sudden you get another $6 billion stuck into your left pocket, and you go, well, hey, I can use this money for, for uh, food and medicine. I'll use the money in my right pocket to support terrorism. And they say, well, hey, this has nothing to do with that. And I can tell you from a text conversation I had with my sister, these exact words came out. Well, that money hasn't even moved. You know, and of course, I, they did just what I told them, told you would that would happen a couple of weeks ago. Hey, you know what? When they said... Uh, when the Biden administration said it had to be used for humanitarian efforts only for uh, food and medicine. And, the, and then the, the, the head guy in Iran says, we'll use it for whatever we need to use it for. And, of course, I said, well, you know, they're going to take it out of one bank and put it into a bank that we don't have control over. And, of course, the, the government says we have control of it. I don't think that's the case. And I think they're lying to us because they want to uh uh they want us to think it wasn't Biden's fault that this happened but just watch watch how this thing develops and we'll go and we'll watch it week by week and uh and hopefully it doesn't go on for a long time i'm hoping that uh that israel does what we should have done in uh uh in uh, the 90s or you know in desert desert storm or certainly in uh in uh, uh in the, after the 9 11, we should have made the whole Middle East a parking lot, just got rid of everybody and started from scratch because there's no way there's no. And I and I talked about years ago. Um, I had a uh, a uh, a person that I worked with in one of the banks that we sold loans to, um, who was of Egyptian descent. And she said, and she said that while she was in my office, she said, you know what, uh, my father is a, a first generation uh migrant from Egypt and he said you have to just kill everybody the only way that you're going to change the middle east you can't go in there and try to rebuild the rebuild their their country and teach them to be to want freedom you just have to level the whole thing and start over and of course that came directly from someone from Egypt but the democrats the democrats and the and the people blind to what's really going on will defend Biden. Well, no, nope, none of that money has been done. Many of our Republican candidates, including Trump, are saying that Iran used the $6 billion to support Hamas and make this attack possible.
2: The Israeli attack was made because we are perceived as being weak and ineffective and with a, leak, a really weak leader. The Iranians are funding Hamas and Hezbollah and all these groups, and they're funding it in part with money that they've gotten because of the Biden administration's weak policies.
3: And Iran knows they're moving money around as we speak because they know six billion is gonna be released. That's the reality. When I was at the United Nations, you saw that when those planes full of cash sent by Obama, to iran i went to the international atomic energy agency i met with them what happened was those funds were sent to hezbollah in lebanon they were sent to hamas in gaza they were sent to the houthis in yemen they go and spread terrorism every time they get a dollar
1: yep we all know it we all know it that that's that's where where the money where the money's coming from from iran and we know that. And of course you'll hear hear other people say, "Well, that wasn't our money. We didn't send them taxpayer money." Yeah, but there's a reason we froze it years ago to keep them from using it for terrorism. And of course, Biden just decided, "Hey, I need to I need to show that I'm getting some hostages back." And you know, well, well you know, you know in my opinion, Israel's going to look at this and the, and they're going to say, "Hey, those those hostages, those hostages over there, we want to get them, but if that has to be Collateral damage for the betterment of of the future—that's going to happen. And at some point, at some point, Biden has to has to uh, make those kind of decisions. And of course, for the families of those people, that's not anything you want them to say. But it's just a fact. Leadership is tough. Secretary of State Antony Blinken responded to the to everybody saying that it was the uh, Iranian money on Meet the Press with new host, Kristen Wilker.
3: Iran uh, and Hamas have a long relationship. Uh, Hamas wouldn't be Hamas without the support it's had from for many years from Iran. In this moment, we don't have um, anything that uh, shows us that Iran was directly involved in this attack and in planning it or in carrying out, but that's something we're looking at very carefully, and we've got to see where the facts lead.
2: But how do you respond
3: to Republican critics who say that that deal funded the attacks on Israel? Well, it's very unfortunate that some are playing politics uh, at a time when so many lives have been lost and Israel remains under attack. Uh, here are the facts. Uh, the facts are that these were these were not U.S. taxpayer dollars. These were Iranian resources. that It's always had the uh, the right to use those funds for humanitarian purposes, for food, for medicine, for medical equipment. The funds were moved from one bank to another where it could more easily do that, but under the close supervision of the U.S. Treasury Department. Mr. In Secretary, words, Mr. Secretary, Treasury I don't no, it's important. it's important to get these facts right, because here's what's going on. Again, not a single cent has been spent from that account. When any money is spent from that account, it can only be used for medical supplies, for food, for medicine. And those who are saying otherwise are either misinformed or misinforming, and it's wrong either way.
1: Yeah, well, you just follow the money, and you could have could have predicted this when, you get, when they released the $6 billion. And, of course, um, you know, the the war on Iran couldn't have been gotten... Because Russia couldn't afford a war, uh, I'm not. I'm sorry, on Ukraine, um, the war on Ukraine couldn't have been afforded by the Russian government if they hadn't, if we hadn't stopped our our energy production in the United States and opened up the the pipeline from Russia to Germany and giving them all kinds of money for their oil, and of course that happened, and of course then. Followed by Russians invasion of Ukraine. And then we released the money to the Iranians and followed by the, by the attack on Israel. All you gotta do is open your eyes. Benjamin Netanyahu's office, uh, confirmed that President Biden called him right away to pledge unwavering support of the United States. What else would he do? On Sunday, the Pentagon sent several ships and aircraft closer to Israel to, in a show of force. Here's Biden's attempt to talk tough to our mutual enemies.
0: Israel has the right to defend itself and its people, full stop. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. Let me say this as clearly as I can. This is not a moment for any party hostile to Israel to exploit these attacks to seek advantage. The world is watching, and let there be no mistake, The United States stands with the State of Israel.
1: Yeah, the world is watching, and they watch weakness. There's no such thing as peace through weakness. Biden seems to think that if you just talk, if you just be nice to terrorists, that they'll be nice to us. Sorry, that's that's not how it works. Um, And they've been watching us for the last three years, and they see what they see. So let's talk about uh, our uh, our former president, who should still be president. Meanwhile, on Trump, witch hunt continues to distract the former president throughout the Republican primary campaign. As we all know, that's the point. The civil fraud trial against Trump is underway in New York, and the state seems hellbent on dragging it out for several months. Trump is facing off against a hostile state attorney general and a judge who's already labeled him a fraud. Sounds like he's going to get a total, totally fair trial. Eh, not. The case which was originally filed in New York by New York Attorney General Letitia James against Trump and his two older sons may be Trump's most immediately threatening legal battle. And this is a question that I have. This is a civil trial. Since when does the Attorney General file civil trials? Those are filed by the the parties who got hurt. Oh, yeah. Nobody got hurt on this one. Because unlike all the other cases in the witch hunt, the Florida classified document case the Georgia election interference case, and the New York Stormy Daniels case. This one concerns his extensive New York real estate portfolio and his Trump organization's business. The judge in this case, New York Supreme Court Justice Arthur Engerin, already found Trump guilty back on September 26, saying Trump illegally inflated his net worth by billions of dollars from two thousand fourteen to two thousand twenty one to obtain favorable loans and insurance deals. Well, let me just use my logically thinking brain. Why would inflating your assets get you any deals on insurance? If your property is worth more money, the insurance costs more money to insure it. I don't know. And then here's here's the here's the other question. You know what? Having your assets set higher higher in a in a in a loan deal. The bank is the bank who's loaning the money is the one that, that uh, does their due diligence to verify anything that's material to their loan. So, as a guy who does loans for the last 34 years, um, this is how it works. You know, you fill out your application, you say, Hey, I think my house is worth uh, $2 million. And they go, Okay, well, if we're loaning on the house, we're going to do an appraisal first. And the appraisal comes in at a, at nine hundred thousand. Well, I guess not worth two million dollars. Well, it's worth two million to me. Well, it doesn't matter. We're loaning on what the appraiser says it is. And of course, if you're, lo- if you're loaning on on a on your house and your house is worth nine hundred thousand, and you've got a bunch of rental properties and you say they're all worth five hundred thousand dollars each, the bank's not concerned with that because they don't loan on your net worth. They loan on the collateral you're using. And in the fact, in a, in a commercial, in a commercial loan, they lend on the cash flow of that property based on what you show on your taxes. So they're saying, so they lend on, lend on a big commercial building. They say, what's the cash flow on that building? Because if we have to take that building back, we want to know that we're going to get our interest and that bank and that building is going to, is going to debt service this money that we're lending. And of course they're going to look at your taxes to see how, how you cash flow. So are you saying that uh, Trump lied about the cash flow on his property so he could get loans and he's paying more in taxes as uh, he, you know, he, he committed fraud and he's paying more taxes so he could get loans? And, of course, all these loans have since been paid back and the banks made their profit and no, one, no one's been hurt. As a former state attorney general herself, just like Letitia James, Pam Bondi pointed out that there's no case if there's no victim
2: you know, for eight years, this is what I did. And you never go after someone, first of all, if no one else is complaining and there's not a victim, an alleged victim. Here, if you're going to look for a victim, if you're going to look to evaluate the cost, the price of assets, you're going to look to the experts. Who are the experts here? The banks, the banks (laughs) who loaned Donald Trump the money. And they're not complaining about this at all. They they actually got paid back and they got paid back, some of them early, um, and they all made money on it. So they they are not complaining at all.
1: And again, as Trump says, he's taking, he's going through this for us. Can you imagine if the government is allowed to do this to Donald Trump, they'll do the same thing to all of us, whether anyone's been hurt or not, if he, and if he's already been found guilty, why is there still a trial? Apparently that's to determine Trump's penalty. Don't I understand how that works. Me neither. New York Attorney General Letitia James asked for Trump to be fined $250 million and be banned from doing business in the state of New York. I'm gonna, I've am gonna. i got a clip to play on this and a bunch more to talk about on this subject, but I'm out of time for this half of the main event, so stay tuned for five minutes, traffic, weather, and sports, and I'll pick right up where I left off. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM590 The Answer. Mortgage rates are up. But credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget. Not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage
3: logo.
0: Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation, NMLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590 the answer.
1: And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing. Well, today I am, but I'm talking about real estate and financing of Donald Trump. But, uh, if you need real, if you need help with your financing of your real estate, whether that's refinancing a piece of property that you own and uh, re- re- rearranging your debt, or it's, uh, buying a piece of property you'd like to own, whether that's in California or another state, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to net. click on the United American Mortgage logo, and we'll do the cyber thing. So before the break, we were talking about Trump's lawsuits, and specifically his fraud lawsuit, which is actually a civil lawsuit that nobody filed civilly. So the attorney general decided that she's gonna, she's going to, uh, uh, File a claim, and of course, we heard the judge judge even say, "Well, hey, you know what? You're saying that uh, you put in some uh, some value for for your Florida property, Mar-a-Lago, at some giant amount, but the assessor says it's worth 18 million. Hey, you know what? If you want to know what your house is assessed at, um, just go to the the county that you live in and look up your property, and they'll tell you what your house is assessed at. And I guarantee you, what they assessed it at." is different than than what the market value is. And in in fact in California, I don't know about I'm not sure about Florida cuz every state does it a little different. In uh in Florida or in, in in California, your house is assessed when you bought it. So so uh I bought my house for $200,000 in in 1997. So I haven't sold it, so they wouldn't reassess it unless I pull out a building permit, which I pulled out a building permit for my patio cover, I pulled out a building permit when I put in my pool. I pulled, pulled out a building permit when I put, put in my, my, uh, my pool house. And again, when I put in my, uh, what I call my party hut, which is a, a pergola. And because of the amount of, uh, stuff we were doing on it, I did it legally. And every time they come out and reassess it. If you haven't pulled a building permit on your house, then your house is assessed at what you paid for it with some little, little yearly up, uh, adjustments but in general it's uh that's how it's done in California in uh, Montana Arizona I know they just they just reassess uh every 2 years and uh, I'm not sure about Florida um but the assessment is not a market appraisal and of course the judge shows his stupidity when he when he brings that up um New York attorney general uh made made these uh her her remarks on her attention on her attentions on this on with this lawsuit here's here's a little bit of
3: it my message is simple no matter how powerful you are no matter how much money you think you may have no one is above the wall donald trump and the other defendants have committed persistent and repeated fraud justice will prevail
1: you know persistent and repeated fraud justice will prevail you know what you know what if uh if uh, if I say my house my house is worth uh, two million dollars and it's and and I know it won't sell for that but I wouldn't sell it for less than two million dollars so is that fraud is that fraud did it affect anybody who is who is lending me money well only if they're lending me money on my house and it's only if uh and only if they're and if they're lending money on my house they're going to do an appraisal you know what for that matter he could say hey Melania is the most beautiful woman in the face of the earth. Well, that may, that may be true to you, may not be true to other people. So is that fraud? Nobody got hurt by it. That's your opinion. But this is, this is where our country's going. And back in 2018, James campaigned for state attorney general on the promise of getting Donald Trump.
3: One name, Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Will
2: you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely
3: sue him. We're going to be a real painted.
1: Yeah, is that How is that even legal in this country? You go after one guy and that's why you get elected. And how is it that you can just go after a guy for stuff that didn't harm anybody or that you no, know, where did he break the law? I don't understand it. I don't understand it, but believe me, folks, if this kind of, I and I'm positive that Trump's going to going to get through this and his his uh his Attorneys are going to prevail in this, but the whole idea is they're just trying to keep him from being able to campaign and to try and make the the headlines uh, cast doubt upon the American people. But we all see what we see. Essentially, essentially the state attorney general has put the entire Trump organization at stake. At stake, around 500 business entities, of which Donald Trump is the sole principal owner, with $450 million in revenue and more than 22,000 employees. In the worst-case scenario, Trump could lose some of his best-known assets, his flagship Manhattan properties at 40 Wall Street, the Trump Tower, the Trump Seven Springs Estates, and golf clubs in Hudson Valley and Westchester. Judge Engoron. Surprise prosecutors by ordering that all entities controlled by Trump and his children or his business enter a receivership, which means that while the Trump family maintains ownership, the businesses and properties are controlled separately by court appointed receiver, which is complete B.S. You know, if they can do this to, to him, they can do it to any of us. You know, this is starting to resemble communism. Experts have likened the ruling to corporate death penalty because the receiver in the court, not the owners, can make decisions about the companies, including selling them off. Trump would keep the profits he's entitled to as owner, but his business empire in New York could be destroyed. And, uh, you know, this is just unheard of. This is the United States. This kind of stuff happens in third world countries. Well, folks, when we let when we let the Democrats steal the election in 2020, we became a third world country. And the judge has ordered Trump to nominate three potential receiver candidates who the judge would then choose from. Trump has not yet done that, but he has spoken his mind about Judge Engerin and the Attorney General Letitia James.
2: It's a disgraceful trial put forward by an Attorney General who's corrupt. We have murders going all over the city, all over the state at a record level. It's an epidemic, and they waste their time with this, with banks that were very happy. They got all their money back, and we're going to be here for months with a judge that already made up his mind. It's ridiculous. He's a Democrat judge. He's an operative, and it's ridiculous. Other than that, things went very well.
1: Other than that, everything's cool other than the fact that the, the whole federal government is coming after me and uh, and it's not fair and it's uh, unconstitutional. Uh, but other than that, everything's going good. After this and Trump's Truth Social posts about the judge and Letitia James, Judge ingeran imposed a gag order on October 3rd. Consider this a gag order forbidding all parties from posting, emailing, or speaking publicly about any of my staff. Engeren said, failure to abide by this order will result in serious sanctions. Well, la de freaking da. So let's talk about what else is going on in this country. All eyes have been on the House for the past week. And uh, as we uh, got rid of our Speaker of the House, and of course, Republicans are showing how weak they are. How, you know, I can't understand. We've got control of the House of Representatives. We've got the majority. We almost have the Senate. And of course, the country's coming out of the ether and about, uh, everything that's going on. And they're starting to, they're starting. They should have, they should have been starting to see about, uh, January 20th, 2021. They should have seen what was going on. They should have seen it right after they stole the election. Um, but you know, they can't seem to, 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 to hit their butt with both, both hands. You know, they can't, they can't get together on anything. So apparently, uh, they had a secret, uh, secret vote, um, not on the house floor. And it said, and it was apparently the majority wanted Steve Scalise to, uh, to be the nominee for, uh, uh speaker of the house. And of course they had another vote in there's a certain amount of Republicans that won't vote for Steve Scalise and we need all the Republicans to get together. And apparently Jim Jordan pulled his name out of the hat um because he's saying, Hey, you know what, if everybody wants Steve Scalise, let's make Steve Scalise it uh the, the Speaker of the House. But the Repu- there's there's some there's some Republicans that aren't good with that. Now Jim Jordan's saying, Okay, I'll put my hat back in. And of course, they should just have a big conference and say, Hey, who's everybody happy with? And you know, some of the Republicans are gonna have to say, Hey, uh, you know, this isn't my first choice, but I'll go with Jim Jordan. You know, they that's the only way we're ever going to get control of this of this thing. But meanwhile, there's plenty of shenanigans going on in the Senate that we haven't been able to talk about uh, yet. So let's start with Bob Menendez of New Jersey. Let me cover some of the things that have been in the news, but I haven't had a chance to talk about. Menendez was indicted on federal bribery charge after he and his wife were both accused of taking hundreds of thousands of dollars in bribes in exchange for Menendez, using his position on the Foreign Relations Committee to help the government of Egypt secure more U.S. assistance. Once again, Democrats prove that they do everything they accuse the Republicans of doing. Well, you know what? If there's money in it for the Biden family, we're going to send lots of cash to Ukraine. Well, if there's money in it for the Menendez family, we're going to send lots of money to Egypt. And, of course, uh, you know, there's a 100 senators. You know, how many, how many different countries are we sending uh, uh, millions and millions of dollars to that you would think that? Why don't we just take care of the United States? Why do we have to give money to these other countries every year? We just do it. And it's just become this is what we do. And everybody just accepts it. Of course, the Egyptian government didn't contact Menendez directly. The middlemen were three New Jersey businessmen named Whale Hanna, Fred Dibes, and Jose Uribe. The three businessmen acquainted with Menendez through his wife, Nadine Menendez, uh, uh, who is of, uh, Lebanese descent and has lots of connections with people in Egypt, uh, who the sender has only been married to since 2020. So Whale Hannah, originally from Egypt, is a longtime friend of Mrs. Menendez, the former Nadine Arslanian, and maintains close connections with Egyptian officials. So let's put this in in perspective. Bob Menendez was was a congressman since since 1993. In 2006, he took over uh, John Kerry's spot as senator in New Jersey. So he's been in there for 30 years in the house and the senate and of course he meets this uh nadine arslanian in 2018 and by early in 2019 the gifts start coming over from egypt the other two men are hannah's associates Dibes is a new new jersey real estate developer and a longtime donor to bob menendez's campaign while uribe works in the new york new jersey insurance and trucking business and all of them lavish Bob and Nadine Menendez with ill-gotten gifts and dirty operation to benefit Egyptian government. The investigators found in Menendez's home $500,000 in cash stuffed into jacket pockets, closets, and a safe, $100,000 in gold bars, and many of them marked to indicate they were previously owned by Fred Dibes, and a $60,000 Mercedes-Benz 2019 about the Benz, it's pretty obvious where it came from. Investigators found a text from Nadine Menendez to her husband in April of 2019. Congratulations, mon amour de la vie. We are proud owners of a 2019 Mercedes. One day earlier, Mrs. Menendez received 15000 in cash um, as a down payment for the car, and the three associates would eventually pay for it in full. So, uh, one other thing that they left out of the story is why she needed a new car. Oh, because she ran over a guy and killed him in her other car. And, uh, a few months earlier. So now she needed a new Mercedes. And of course, they didn't pay for it. Of course, if he had, uh, all that money, why didn't he just buy himself a, a new car? Anyway, I digress. The Justice Department alleges that in exchange for these gifts, Menendez abused his position on the Foreign Relations Committee for the last five years by providing Egyptian officials sensitive information about U.S. embassy employees in Cairo, well, selling out as our own uh, embassy workers, ghostwriting a letter from Egyptian officials to the Senate asking them to support the release of $300 million in aid in the form of foreign military financing and foreign military sales. In other words, Menendez also impersonated the Egyptian government to his fellow senators, he would then remove any holds on foreign military financing and exports to the defense equipment to Egypt. Here's how that here's how that part works. Our State Department gives foreign governments grants to buy American weapons. They're called foreign military grants. So basically, we give them money to buy our weapons. Hmm. How does that work? No wonder. No wonder we're we're in a. Uh, no wonder we're. 33 trillion dollars in debt. We give we give the foreign countries money so they can just buy our military weapons while we pay the military contractors to create these weapons that comes out of our taxpayer dollars and then we give it to then we give more dollars to the countries and they buy our buy our military weapons with them. I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Trump should have been the president for a lot longer because we need a business guy in there to make any of this make sense. Leaders of the Foreign Relations Committee, like Bob Menendez, have the option to place holds on those grants or place holds on the transfer of weapons. For example, the committee has put hold on giving weapons to Turkey and Saudi Arabia over human rights abuses. As Democrat leader of the committee, Menendez has made sure there are no holds for Egypt despite his colleagues calling for Egyptian funds to be held, or until authoritarian Egyptian president Abdel Fattah el-Sisi met certain human rights conditions. El-Sisi took over Egypt, Egypt by a coup in 2013 and has been engaged in human rights abuses ever since. But Menendez has stopped stopped the uh, money from being held because they're funneling money back to him. But because Bob Menendez's wife wanted a new Mercedes-Benz, Egypt still gets $235 million of our money. Menendez pled not guilty last week. His First Republic remarks were on back on September 25th when he arrogantly said he wasn't going anywhere.
2: The allegations leveled against me are just that. Allegations. Not only will I be exonerated, but I still will be the New Jersey's senior senator. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Some of the people calling for my resignation for political reasons say I have lost the trust of the people of New Jersey. That couldn't be more wrong.
1: Well, I don't live in New Jersey and he's already lost my trust. So, uh, I can't imagine if he was representing my, representing me. Bob Menendez has a long history of scandal. This guy's been dirty for years and uh, maybe we'll get back, get into that as the weeks go by. Menendez says he's, uh, has a reasonable excuse for squirreling away $500,000 in cash in his home. His parents are from Cuba.
2: For 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account, which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. Now, this may seem old-fashioned, but these were monies drawn from my personal savings account based on the income that I have lawfully derived over those 30 years.
1: Yeah, well, this uh, may be hard to believe. And, uh, this is what some of the things that I would do if I was running the investigation. First, I'd start looking at, uh, at his, his documents. He got a divorce in 2005, and I'm sure there's lots of financial disclosures in those, in those, uh, in those divorce, uh, papers. Then I would look at how long has he lived in that house, uh, where he, where all this money was stored. Then I'd look at, uh, what else, what else has he, what else does he own? What other properties does he own? What else does he own? And let's look at uh, what a senator makes and what a congressman makes from 1993 to present. And let's look at his credit report and see the kind of lifestyle that he lived and what kind of debt structure he he supports. And then let's figure out the math problem. How could he have squirreled away half a million dollars plus a uh, $100,000 in gold bars? And, of course, the gold bars clearly show who was the former owner of it. Uh The number the number of Senate Democrats calling for Menendez to resign is piling up. Among them is someone who has certainly done his part to disgrace the U.S. Senate lately. John Braindead Fetterman of Pennsylvania.
3: The last times there's ever been a man with so much cash in their home in New Jersey was uh, Tony Soprano. You know, it's... I mean, it, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a close call. He's entitled to have his day in in court, but he does not entitled to to, to remain in the, the Senate, and he needs to go.
1: Well, I don't know that anything coming out of this guy's mouth is uh, should be taken uh, seriously, but clearly he watches TV shows. Uh, this is the same guy who who disrespected the body of the Senate just one week earlier with this gem on the Senate dress code.
3: It's, you know, a little more freedom, which should be bipartisanship. You know what I'm saying? so, But I don't know why the right side seems to be losing their minds over it. Like, uh, dogs and cats are living together and, you know, like the world's spinning off its axis.
1: Yeah, and uh, so he watches TV shows and clearly watches movies like this little scene from uh, Ghostbusters.
3: You could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? Whoa. What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Yes. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Exactly. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies.
2: Rivers and seas boiling.
0: Forty years of darkness. Earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead
2: rising from the grave. Human sacrifice. Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria.
1: Mass hysteria. Well, hey, you know, that's... Uh, that's what, uh, John Fetterman can think up is, uh, like, oh, dogs and cats living together. Oh my God. The world's spinning off its axis. About two seconds after Fetterman mocked the people who were disgusted that the dress code of the U.S. Senate was abolished just for him, Chuck Schumer came to his senses and a resolution was passed to reverse the disastrous decision. Introduced by Joe Manchin and Mitt Romney, the resolution formalized the requirement that members show up to the chamber in business attire. You know, like elected officials serving in the federal office have been doing for the more than 200 years until this slob came along in his hoodie.
3: Senator Fetterman, I've had many conversations and he has uh, worked with me to find a solution. I appreciate that very much. You know, for 234 years, every senator has had uh, the honor of serving in this distinguished body has assumed that there were some basic written rules of decorum and conduct and civility, uh, one of which was a dress code. I mean, George Washington approved this building. In in the years that followed, huge sacrifices were made.
0: They could have built the building that looks like a Walmart with lazy boy chairs. Instead, they built this extraordinary edifice with columns and marble. And I think it's in keeping with that spirit that we say we want those who serve inside this room, in this hall, to show a level of dignity and respect which is consistent with the sacrifice they made and with the beauty of the surroundings.
3: We've never had an official dress code. The events over the past week have made us all feel as though formalizing one is the right path forward.
1: And then there's the matter of our own California senator passing away. Weeks after we covered her failing health alongside Mitch McConnell's health and obvious cognitive impairments of John Fetterman, Dianne Feinstein passed away on September 29th at age 90. And Gavin Newsom, true to his word, has appointed a short-term replacement, LaFonza Butler. LaFonda
0: is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I'm 100% positive that she's my soulmate. Napoleon, I'm sure there's a baby out there for you, too.
1: Yeah, well, it's LaFonza Butler, not LaFonda Butler, but <clears throat> that fit in anyway. La, so LaFonza, who will fill the seat for the duration of Feinstein's term, which ends January third, two thousand twenty-five, if Butler wants to run a full run to serve a full term against candidates like Adam Steaming, Paula Schiff, Barbara Lee, and Katie Porter in the next year's election, she can. But she told LA Times last week she doesn't know if running to keep the seat for a full term is of interest. I genuinely don't know, she said. I want to be focused on honoring the legacy of Senator Feinstein. I want to devote my time and energy to serving the people of California. Here's what we know about LaFonza Butler. She's a prominent labor leader in California for decades. What does that mean? I'm not really sure. But somehow it qualified her to be president of the group Emily's List, the nation's largest resource dedicated to electing Democrat pro-choice women to office. In 2020, she was a senior advisor to Kamala Harris during, the, uh, during her campaign, and Newsom chose her because, well, we all know why, why, why he chose her, because she's black, she's female, and she's a lesbian. Newsom actually said two years ago that if Feinstein left the office before the end of her term, he would appoint a black woman. To be fair, he was pressured by MSNBC's Joy Reid to say to say it. This was March of 2021.
2: We are out of time, out of time, out of time. I have to go to a break, but I have to. This is a yes or no answer that you could give me. Uh, If in fact Dianne Feinstein uh, were to retire, uh, will you nominate an African American woman um, to restore the seat that Kamala Harris is no longer in the United States Senate? And do you have a name in mind?
3: I have multiple names yes in yes mind. Yes we, we have multiple names in mind, and the answer is yes.
1: Well, we know that uh, who else is who else is running against? Who else is running against? Right now it's uh, Adam Schiff is pulling at 20 percent. Orange County Congresswoman Katie Porter is pulling at 17 percent. And Barbara Lee is pulling at 7 percent. All black women, all running for the Senate seat. Uh, and just a few days ago I asked, isn't there any Republican... In California, running for that Senate seat, and uh, the very next day, former Dodger, legendary first baseman Steve Garvey, announced his candidacy for that Senate seat formerly held by Dianne Feinstein. And uh, you know what? I don't know. uh, I don't know uh, about uh, Steve uh, Steve Garvey's political credentials, but I know he was a great first baseman. He had big, giant forearms like I do. So, uh, and he's a Republican. So. He's got my vote. So anyway, I'm all out of time for this episode of the main event. So uh, thanks for listening. My name is Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage and host of the main event right here on AM870, The Answer. Mortgage rates are up, but credit card rates are way higher, and credit card balances have hit an all-time high as inflation puts the squeeze on everyone's budget, not to mention how auto loan rates and payments have gone through the roof. Let me point out, it doesn't matter how low your existing mortgage interest rate is if you can't make the payments on everything else. Are you wondering what to do? Do you need some financial strategy? Want to talk to someone who thinks like you? Call me at 855-640-2020. We'll discuss a strategy that works for you today and also considers what happens when the interest rates drop as we move into the inevitable recession. To have that discussion, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020 or go to edhoffman.net. And click on the United American Mortgage logo.
0: Ed Hoffman and MLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation and MLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate. AM 590, the answer